Thank you to the Trader Talk sponsor, Market Cipher. Market Cipher is an all-in-one trading indicator package that works for every market, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, and yes, traditional markets. Market Cipher has an 82% satisfaction rate with over 3,000 unique users comprised of both brand new and seasoned traders. You're probably thinking to yourself, what makes Market Cipher so unique considering the market is flooded with indicators? Well, it has three main charting overlays that will give you the edge you need to sustain profitability. Market Cipher A, Market Cipher B, and Market Cipher SR all provide a range of indicators from oscillators, ribbons, waves, cuts and symbols, and more. Every trader needs an edge and Market Cipher will give you an edge with everything you need to turn yourself into a profitable trader. Still not sold? Well, Market Cipher comes with plenty of tutorials, walkthroughs, paid professional support, and best of all, an amazing positive community. As traders, having a community that we can go back and forth with and talk to, double check our confluence with our strategies and different indicators, things we're seeing in the market is extremely important. Try Market Cipher today. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Trader Talk. Today I have a good friend of mine, Scott Meckler, that's here today. How are you doing today, Scott? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on. I know it's very, very hectic. I'm having a family, being it is. bored in the house and all, all this other stuff going on. Yeah, it's uh, been a crazy time, seemingly endless. <laughs> yeah. The good thing about it is, is hopefully our children will um, not remember this time in the next 10 years. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I think my five-year-old will. I'm pretty sure my one-year-old will not. Okay. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get started. Um, why don't you go ahead and just give a, um, a brief intro of yourself because um, you have a very interesting background compared to some other people that I've had on. Yeah, I kind of like stumbled into crypto in late 2016. I definitely wasn't uh, one of the one of the early OG adopters. Um, you know, I, I have a pretty strong background in investment my for my parents and you know i started buying stocks when i was 13 years old um and you know i went to the university of pennsylvania it was in the late 90s it was kind of a wall street boom so the time when everybody was just it was like money 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 finance 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 uh i chose to go a different route i learned to dj in college and decided that i was going to pursue a multitude of things. I had a lot of side businesses and stuff, but at the core, I was going to just pursue music producing and, and DJing. And that took off at least to a level where I didn't have to ever get a real job per se. Um, and I did that for almost 20 years. So, you know, uh, one thing you have a lot of time, one thing you have a lot of is time when you're a DJ during the day, you know, you work at night, you might be in the studio, but uh, you know, very flexible schedule. So I always traded, you know, it was just kind of the thing I did on the side with uh, varied results, usually not, not so great. Uh, and then, you know, I got into crypto like everyone else because I saw these crazy pumps and this opportunity and this gold mine. And I think I sort of backed my way into actually believing in it as more than just a, a trader, um, which has happened over the last few years. And, you know, that's brought me, I guess, to this, this point now. So as far, like, when did you decide that you wanted to become a professional trader? Because you went, you went to Penn State, you had a background in traditional finance, you were kind of raised, it sounds like, around parents that, you know, knew a little bit about financial markets. So you had some of that experience as well, some of that education. But after you became a DJ, when were you like, okay, this is not for me anymore, let me go ahead and get into trading or investing full time? I mean, I'm, I'm a lot older than most people in this space. And me I too. think- Me too. <laughs> so I think it was a function of, 
somewhat aging out of that career. Like, yes, there are DJs who play until they're 60, 70 years old, I guess. But like, I found myself DJing for people that could be my children, like literally, you know? Um, And so my average crowd was like half my age. I wasn't really into like where music was going, I guess. And also we started a family and, you know, I didn't want to be on the road anymore with, with kids. I had to leave the day after my daughter was born to go play at South by Southwest. Um, and like, it was horrible, you know? Uh, and once I had that experience, it sort of uh, brought me back down to earth that the two weren't going to go well with me being, I guess, you know, focused on the career that I would want in combination with focus on being the kind of parent that I would want to be. And they just don't go together. So I was always trading and then it was like I started moving more into trading. I was still DJing for that next year, but not taking most of the stuff unless it was really good or that I, I wanted to do it. And then I found crypto and, was, you know, I was there at the right time to make enough money, whether by luck or skill, to at least continue doing that and not have to worry about the other things for a while. So you didn't pull a Mick Jagger on everybody? <laughs> no, he's, he's amazing. Yeah, but, uh, no, I'm, 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 I don't think I'll be doing it when I'm, when I'm 70s, 80s like him. Can you, can you imagine like, like still being on stage, like at 80 years old or 70 years old? Like I, I've got so much respect for him, but I'm also like, yeah. wow, aren't aren't you tired? Like it's crazy. I think they're just like it. They're addicted to the lifestyle. You know, it's just once you have, and the thing is, I, I doubt they get that he gets the rush out of a show or anything. It's just going to work like anyone else. But I think mm-hmm. if he didn't have it and didn't have that, level of I don't want to say importance or I just think it becomes your lifestyle and you don't know what to do when it's gone I can I I mean I can on a very 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 low level it's it's a very strange thing to change from being in music and on stage to like just a dude you know and I think a lot of people fear that transition well even when I worked in healthcare I worked for healthcare in healthcare for seven years and even when I made that transition to become a full-time student um, and I'm graduated now it was is different like when you do something for a long period of time your mind is like kind of accustomed to it you have a ritual you have a routine so you know I, I get that but let's talk a little bit about what you trade are you are you like a hundred percent crypto or are you like doing options you're doing stocks like what what are the different things you trade I'll, I mean I'll trade baseball cards and pogs if there's money in it i'll trade anything um i went through every phase i went through my options phase it's a little too like intense for me honestly so like when i short something in the market i just short sell like classic short long i buy it or i borrow and sell it uh but i trade the market i have not i mean i was trading the market through like the drop in march and then the market just has confounded me like many people i think you know mm-hmm. i did not expect the 50 greatest days in uh Sp- spx history or the nasdaq to hit a all-time high as it did today so <laughs> largely i was on the sidelines i've you know was very successful shorting it down and have had mixed results uh shorting twice on the way up um including yesterday um but generally i've stayed out of the market um that market but i do i have always traded stocks primarily and then crypto obviously just like the wild west super fun um i went through a long forex phase that i come in and out of if i see something that really attracts my attention but forex i view as like take a really long swing position and let it go if you have a really like passionate feeling on on what's going to happen there and otherwise i mean i spend more of my time trading crypto than anything else 
Okay. So where, how did, how did you exactly learn like to trade? Like, cause you said that you started trading like back in college or was it before then? And like, what resources did you use? Was it books? Was it from your parents? Like books, um, you know, by the time it was college, it was, you know, I was learning from friends and stuff. We were all kind of doing it together. Um, when I was younger, it was just investing. Like I'd buy some stock. I was like, I thought Mickey Mouse was cool. So I bought a share of Disney, you know, I thought that Apple computers were cool. So I bought a share of Apple or something like that with, with, uh, with money I'd made from doing chores or my first jobs and things like that. Um, I was broke in college. So anything I was trading was like really small and whatever. I was broke. I was always broke um, after college, uh, you know, but uh, yeah, I, I, and then, you know, throughout the years, you just, I learned by the school of hard knocks more than anything else. Like I just kept getting beat down and eventually you just don't want to lose anymore and you get better at it. You actually start to care about your losses and risk management. Uh, and when I got in, in like 2016, I met a guy named Christopher Inks, who's uh, on Twitter as Texas West Capital. Um, and uh, he kind of took me under his wing to a degree. I mean, I was already a professional trader with success, but he took my, like, uh, we were just friends. I mean, he wasn't like my official mentor or anything, but I kind of compelled him to, you know, through just bothering him and having conversations with him. And, you know, he started a course, which I helped him to get off the ground and stuff. And I really at that, I think that's where I sort of you know, got my edge to whatever degree with the way that I mentally approached the market, which is what I was lacking. You know, I think I still had that emotional attachment to my money and my trades until really 2016, 2017. So would you describe your edge as that you are willing to continue to learn? from other people and you don't let your ego get involved. Cause there's a lot of traders that once they get to a certain level and they start becoming successful, they're like, Oh, well, I don't need to read anymore and I don't need to network and I don't need to do this. They don't want to really push themselves um, and look, maybe look at a different perspective. Uh, it's funny. I think that's a big part of it. I tweeted something dead opposite of that and took a lot of shit yesterday. Hope I can say that word. I'm sorry. Of course, of course um, you can. Of course. And uh, I tweeted something like to the effect of, um, you know, I require exactly zero feedback from you guys on my trades, you know, like, like if I had to put a number on it, I would say it's exactly zero. And that was not more, everybody needs mentors, everybody needs people better than them. But like, the point of that was, once I've executed a trade, like, I don't need feedback on that trade, it's either going to hit right. my profit, take profit, or I'm going to stop out, I'm not changing it, I have a plan, you know what I mean? But if you're talking about in general, I believe definitely that if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room, you know, and I like to surround myself with uh, people who are much smarter. That's why like it's, you know, I started a podcast, uh, was sort of compelled to do that. And now it's like I can call anyone who I think is smarter than me or better than me at something and like they'll have an hour long conversation with me, you know, and I can, so I, I find that as a learning experience. I'm always learning from Chris. I have a few other traders that I confer with pretty constantly um, who kind of approach markets in different ways or have uh, ideas. And then like, just as a function of where I went to school and when most of my close friends are in finance and have a very like, um, you know, they're either he at hedge funds or private equity guys or they were. And so they have a very different view and perspective. So I can get a much more like a, of a macro sort of vibe of what is likely going on. That said, they've all gotten absolutely destroyed in the past few months, even with the market having its best 50 days ever. It's, it's kind of funny because I think like uh, 
mom and pops all downloaded Robinhood and are crushing it in the market and everybody huge is getting destroyed because anyone who understands anything about markets is like, it can't go up anymore and tries to short. And then, uh, you know, my, my, like my cousin with four brain cells, like buys Tesla and Robinhood and makes a 20 X. <laughs> it's actually interesting that you say that because traditional markets move very differently than crypto markets. I've only ever traded crypto markets um, because I didn't think I was, I was in that class to where I could trade traditional markets. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see like fundamentals kind of get thrown away with traditional markets right now. And then I feel like since we do trade crypto, we're used to very irrational market movement because I can look at Bitcoin and it, like even today I'm looking at the Bitcoin chart and I'm like, I want to short. I really want to short, but I'm also looking at the TA and like, or I'm looking at the fundamentals and I'm just like, I really think that this is just going to go the opposite direction of what my technical analysis is telling me. So right now I'm just, I'm flat. I'm not doing anything, but do you think that um, trading crypto has also given you an edge as well to trade traditional markets, especially in the time like this where traditional markets are just not doing what they should be doing? Yeah, I think that's true to a degree. I think that crypto is an incredible learning ground for technical analysts because of like the general lack of fundamentals. Now there are like, there are macro fundamentals, mining and regulation mm -hmm. and all these things. But like on a day to day, if you're trading an altcoin or something, it makes no difference what that company is doing or if that company even exists to be, to be frank. Right. So yeah, I think that you can apply some of those lessons back to legacy markets. I think actually it also goes the other way is that you learn a lot of hard lessons trying to trade legacy markets and then crypto to some degree it's a breath of fresh air to be able to just look at a chart and trade that and not actually bother doing research. You know, historically, like fundamentally in the stock market, whether you're a trader or an investor, you can, you know, look at an earnings call or a profit and loss, or just see what the general vibe is around if a company's doing well and buy it and know that it's probably going to go up. It's mm -hmm. very, sim very different. So I think having that rounded approach from both helps, you know, in both directions from one to the other and, and the other back. Yeah, I remember in college, um, I was in a finance club, which they threw me out of the finance club because I was talking about Bitcoin a lot. Um, but we would use, <laughs> we would use the Bloomberg terminals, like, because we had to do a project and pick stocks and whatever. So we would use the Bloomberg terminals to, um, you know, to kind of see what was going on, look at the earnings awesome. reports and all that stuff. And, um, and then I just remember it being so different from crypto because when you're trading crypto, you just like, you used a lot of technical analysis and technical analysis tends to do pretty well you know, when you're trading um, and then legacy markets, like you said, are a little bit different. Um, yeah. So I guess the next question I have is, do you use indicators? Do you use, are you a pattern trader? Like when you, when you're interested in spotting a setup, like how do you spot that setup and determine like, I want to, I want in on this. I think every trader who's been around a long time goes through this like crazy evolution of trying every system and every indicator and every, and, and, my old charts had like 9,000 lines on them and like 17 indicators open. And I think you start to learn that like less is more. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say it's a combination. I, the only indicator I would say that I can consistently have open or will even check is RSI just because like it's something I learned very early. I love trading divergences with, with RSI. And I think just in a, a very simple level, overbought and oversold are very powerful tools to understand mm -hmm. that there might be a reversal coming. doesn't mean there is, but the idea, it's very clear what could be happening. And I like something that, because then it shows me what to look at in the price action, basically. So I'm not like trading. I'm not like, oh, it's overbought. I need to sell, but it'll make me look for a sell signal perhaps in the price action. I would say generally, I just watch price action, very simple horizontal lines. But 
like I learned like everyone else, the first thing I learned was draw triangles, draw lines, draw all this stuff. And so those things jump right out at you on a chart, right? So mm -hmm. I think it's, you look at a chart and you know, I mean, if you've been doing it long enough, you just see what you see. And whether that happens to be a pattern or supply and demand or what it is, it, those ideas jump out, you know? I mean, I went through a long Ichimoku cloud phase. I rarely open one anymore, but sometimes I'll open it for fun, for confluence. But there was a time when that was the only thing I used to trade, you know? So I think it, it evolves, but now it's like, I spend 30 seconds looking at a chart, I mark some lines, I set some alarms and I walk away and that's it. So do you think that it's important to kind of focus on one product at a time? Because me personally, like when I first started trading, I would just chart Bitcoin every day, even if I, even if I wasn't in a trade. And the reason why I did that is I had read that each, each product, each crypto, whether it be crypto or whether it be stocks or whatever it is, each product moves differently with the market. So if you want to consistently trade something, you should kind of, you know, you should if you trade it or if you chart it and you examine it every day, it will essentially kind of give you that edge. Yeah, I think that that's definitely true. I would say that um, most of the better traders I know in crypto are the ones who obsessed over Bitcoin for a very long period of time at some point. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. when you get to, then you really do get a feel for what it's likely to do, the way that it moves. And also when you come from other markets, the charts are just gaps everywhere, you know, because like, even Forex is open most of the time, but it closes on a weekend and you get a huge gap coming out of the weekend, much like, you know, CME, uh, Bitcoin futures, but, and stocks have gaps almost every day. So like even just the way a chart moves or is visualized, you don't have that really in Bitcoin. And so I think it takes some getting accustomed to, I think once you've taken that time with the Bitcoin chart, you can extrapolate that knowledge to altcoins in general. Like, I don't think if I need, if I want to be like a link trader, or a, like a DGB trader that I need to like spend days staring at that particular chart. I think, you know, Bitcoin moves and altcoins are all kind of one other big basket. And, you know, you can sort of quickly take a look at those. But I definitely agree with what you said in that, like, the edge in this market comes from really understanding Bitcoin's movement or being really comfortable with what could come. And you have to experience those insane volatile move, moves to like uh, become emotionally detached to those things mm -hmm. happening. 100%. Do you ever take a look at the Bitcoin dominance chart before you get into an altcoin position and kind of see what um, Bitcoin dominance is doing? I think it's kind of a meme. Um, I do look at it uh, because other people do, not because I believe that the TA on it is so important. But, you know, I believe that uh, everything we do as analysts and technical analysis and charting is just a visualization of human emotion or behavior. So if all of a sudden everyone's looking at the 21 EMA, which was like a thing for like six months, I'll put it on my chart because I know that everybody's looking at it. You know what I mean? It's more right. than sort of the, sort of the self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, so I, I guess I, yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to ask because some people, they do that like, cause I do a daily or I do a weekly live stream on Sunday where I, you know, I chart Bitcoin, talk about what I think the market is going to do. I take all coin requests and some people are like, do Bitcoin dominance. And I don't really trade using the Bitcoin dominance chart. Some people like are dead set on it. Sometimes I'll take yeah. a look at the CME gaps on for Bitcoin, but I just kind of want to look at each particular alt and then kind of compare it against Bitcoin and yeah, see what Bitcoin is Exactly. Doing. Different strokes for different folks. I was going to say, like, I think if you like look at a lot of alt charts on a daily basis, you could probably predict exactly what the dominance chart 
looks like without yeah. looking at the dominance chart, right? Like if, if you open 10 alt charts and eight of them look good, you can tell the dominance is dropping without looking at the dominance chart. Right. Yeah, it's like a, they say, you guys, um, if you haven't compared the dominance with altcoins, they generally say that there's an inverse relationship between yeah. the two. So Absolutely. you can you can go ahead and the check that out. dominance is up, get out of alts for a little while. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So what advice would you give yourself today? Like what advice would you give um, baby Scott when, when baby Scott first started trading? Oh, there's so many. Um, <laughs> made so many mistakes. Um, I would have definitely tried to like find a mentor early, somebody mm -hmm. to, to help me early. I know that that's sort of like, how can you just find a mentor? It's very hard, you know. Um, more than anything, I would have said I would have spent a lot less time concerning myself with making money and a lot more time concerning myself with not losing money. You know, I would have learned risk management much earlier. I had no feel in the beginning for like my overall portfolio percentages I was risking on a trade. I didn't even use stop losses. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I just had no risk management. I like FOMO'd in and out of things and you know, it was more like I was gambling. So I think that um, that, and I think I would tell myself to have developed a system paper traded my ass off, you know, to really um, and studied the charts like you were saying with Bitcoin, like, you know, no rush, like get to understand, know what you're trading, understand what you're trading. I mean, there's a million things, but at the core of it all is risk management. It would have been like understanding, you know, that you don't even have to be right. You just have to be smart about the way that you approach trades and that you judge yourself not on a trade, but on a thousand trades, you know, right. to see if your system is working. So. So as far as risk management, what, what are a couple things that you do um, with your risk management? Like, do you using stops? Like you had talked about that or like, let's say that you get stopped out of two trades. Are you done for the day? Yeah. I mean, I, I have a pretty good gauge of my emotions and when I'm uh, equipped to trade and when perhaps I should just go have a drink or something, you know, um, that takes a long time to get to. So I used to have all these rules, but I don't anymore. And I don't really take that many trades in a day anyways. So I don't think there's a risk there. I have a pretty like refined strategy and I stick to it. Uh, having a strict risk management strategy and actually following it through once a trade have started is, is a huge challenge for people, I think. So once you learn to actually like follow what you planned and not like move your stop loss or take profit too early or do any of those things is really <laughs> really the key. It almost doesn't even matter what your system is as long as you stick to it and let it, you know, let it do its thing over time. But I would say for me, the biggest things are I'll only trade. I mean, sometimes that's just in a general, in a vacuum, I, I only trade with 15% of my portfolio. So the rest is I'm an investor. Like I'm smart enough to know that I'm probably going to beat myself as an investor Mm -hmm. even as a trader. And no matter how well I do as a trader, I know that I can revert back to the mean and I rarely ratchet that up. That said, in crypto, like if, it, if I feel like it's full on alt season, I'll trade with like half of my stack, you know what I mean? But for like a week right. <laughs> and then I'll rebalance it and go back. But so I think that's a huge thing people don't do. I think most people are trading with everything they have. Yeah, because, don't do that, like, guys. Don't do that. Yeah, because, or they're just like, I don't have enough money. I'm short stacked. I just got to, you know, push it all and whatever. And you're just going to get wrecked. Um, so like I trade with a small percent and then I view that 15% as its own portfolio and only take, you know, one to 2% uh, position risk within that. So I never open more than five or six trades at a time, because if you have 20 trades open with 1% risk and Bitcoin moves, all, all altcoins are the same. You stop out of 20, you might as well have just taken 20% risk on one altcoin trade, you know? So I think it's just understanding those small things. 
And then what I touched on mentality, like I just don't trade that often. I don't wake up in the middle of the night to check a Bitcoin chart. I know it's a 24 seven market, but like I trade during business hours and the rest mm -hmm. of the time I like go about my life. And I think that's a very hard thing to come to for most people as well. It's kind of forced when you have a family and a life, but like if I was a single, like I used to play poker online, I could do that at four o'clock in the morning and nobody was going to tell me to get off the computer or Maybe. like I didn't need to wake up for anything. So, you know, I think that kind of naturally comes with age and responsibility that you, um, you know, you become a bit more emotionally detached and you have to do it the right way in the limited time that you have. No, I agree with you because I have a three-year-old myself, a young daughter. So I, I met her. Yeah. Oh, you have met her. I forgot. I totally forgot. And you've met my husband too. Yeah. And I, I need, if I don't get my sleep at night, I'm a monster. And then I can't really be, you know, I can't dedicate my time to her during the daytime. So I'll wake yeah. up, scan charts, see if there's something I want to get into and then um, go ahead and trade. Yeah. It's a challenge. So do you want to talk about your best and your worst trade? Ever? Sure. Whatever. <laughs> if you've got any information to help us. And this is my favorite question of the show because every time I ask it, everybody's face is like. Yeah, I think my worst is very clear. I don't know if I would call it a trade or an investment, but it was absolute mammoth destruction. Um, 2012, I had just recovered from trying to trade my way through the uh, – the great recession of 2009 I was finally on top I was doing well I actually had some money and uh every like I had a whole bunch of people that were really excited about this pharmaceutical company um it was about to get FDA approval on some heart medication and it was like a layup my friend knew a consultant for the company who was working there and it was definite all this stuff it was like six dollars the stock so I basically went like spent like half of what I had in the world on this stock and wrote it to zero like four months later. That sounds like, like a, a literal story. Literal, <laughs> literal zero, not on, not listed on the, in the stock market anymore. The CEO went on an earnings call and basically just blubbered and blubbered through it. And then it came out that like, yeah, maybe they'd get approval in like a year, but they had enough money to survive for a month you know, the classic thing. And I, and you know, I think it was disbelief. It was like three bucks. I'm like, well, I'm not selling it now and went to zero. So that, that froze me for a very long time that, you know, I had no money to trade with for quite a while after that. Um, so that was terrible. Uh, my best trades have definitely come in crypto just by virtue of like the uh, factors that you can do. I mean, I was in TRX at like 25 sats or something and sold like the last 5% of my position over 2000. So I, I rode that in varying degrees all the way to the top. It would be hard to beat that. I was in XRP extremely early, XVG extremely early. I had one of those epic doge cycles from like 15 sats to 150. But what's that's just like a mere 10x, it's like nothing, right? <laughs> but uh, and uh, in uh, legacy markets, I, you know, I've, pretty aggressive uh in telling people uh, about my love for tesla which i'm not even in at the moment but i was in yeah you know, i was buying tesla very heavily from 30 dollars rode that to 36 dollars 37 dollars rode that to like the 300 high 300s uh sold it all bought it again at 180 and then wrote it you know recently although i sold most at five six hundred a little at seven i never made it to 900 and then i shorted it from 900 down to like 500 again from the top so i traded that really well um but now i wish i had some tesla and i don't so 
guessing. So. Well, we might see that market correct. Who knows with everything oh, that's yeah. going on? I mean, it should, but I guess when you have an artificial floor, it's hard to hard to hard to have a sell off. And when you have everybody and their mother trying to short it who has any amount of money, it's just like endless fuel for uh, irrational exuberance. But the stock market right now feels very much like December 2017 in Bitcoin. Everyone thinks they're a fucking investing genius right now who I know and is like, you're never short of the Ponzi and the election. And that, yeah, everybody thinks they're a genius. So that usually doesn't mean it will, but that's usually when the rug is pulled. Like I saw people calling for like, the stock market to double in the next six months today on Twitter. You know. So Scott, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. And before we get going, do you want to talk about any of the things that you're doing? I know you've got a newsletter. Um, I know that you've got a podcast. If you want to show yourself, go ahead. Sure. I mean, you can always find me on Twitter at Scott Melker. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the newsletter was something I started because Twitter just was too short form for me. You know, I just kind of always felt like I, would end up with like these 11 to 12 tweet threads of my thoughts. And I was like, yeah, maybe I'll just start a newsletter. And I started, you know, a free newsletter. And after a while I was like, wow, there's a lot of work. And so I, you know, I uh, have a free version and then a paid version for people who are interested in hearing more of it. So I have that. You can find the information on that on my Twitter. And then uh, the podcast, of course, which has been just so much fun, as you know, doing these things, it's just really awesome. And that wasn't something I ever intended to do or pursue. Blockworks, who uh, produces it, they approached me and kind of asked me if I wanted to do one and that helped a lot. So they do all the work. I just have to kind of like show up and, and ask questions, you know, um, which is great. Do, you know, do some research. And that's really it. I mean, you know, I think most, uh, most of what I share is one way or another, it's all on Twitter. Awesome, Scott. Thank you so much for your time and have a great rest of your day. Thank you for coming Thank on. Thank you, you too. Bye. Bye-bye.